You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hi. Didn't see you there. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid that you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today is Twitter Tuesday. If you ever have a question for Twitter Tuesday, you can submit them in a number of ways. There's a Google form in the show notes. There's also a Discord uh, server in the show notes. If you're on Discord, come join. You can also send me an email at LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com. You can send it to me on Twitter anytime at Locked On Vikings. You can find the show. You can find me at Luke Braun NFL. Uh, just message me on there if you have a question to submit. But I've got a bunch of questions here, so let's just dive in. This is going to be a nice, fun little mailbag episode. There is, of course, a lot of NFL news going on. You know, JJ Watt didn't go to the Packers, so I guess that's good news for us. Uh, if you want to hear some thoughts on that, head on over to the Locked On NFL podcast, where my good buddy Ross and I are breaking all of that stuff down. But for now, let's talk about the offensive line because the first question comes from Cal. A few of these were submitted last week. If you submit a question and I don't get to it, I might come back to it. So, you know, make sure you keep coming back every single week until the uh, the end of time. You don't have a choice. Cal says... <laughs> What are your thoughts on the struggles that have faced Bradbury over the last two seasons? He's obviously an excellent run blocker, but his pass protection has been terrible. Is this due to short arms and comparatives, comparatively low strength, or is this an issue with poor play on either side of him? Um, so uh, his footwork is broken. Um, his strength, I don't think, is actually a huge issue. If you watch him in run blocking, he has the power to move guys. So like he he has physical power, and we saw that in all the jumps and the combine and stuff. Um, he had like a slight strength issue coming out of UNC, but it was never like Elfline's strength issue or like some of the other uh, players that have come in, like Brian O'Neill's strength issue, where it was like, can this guy at all play offensive line? It was like, oh, his strength is kind of just average and every and not as spectacular as everything else. And I think that's borne out more or less in the NFL. Again, in the run, he can push guys, he can maul people and move them. We've seen that plenty in addition to crazy reach blocks and doing a lot of like genuinely spectacular things. It's just that they're in the run game. So we don't notice them. We don't really pay a lot of attention to them and we don't really see them as as valuable as when you give up a sack, right? And his footwork and the way that he sets up his pass sets are a little broken and they need to be fixed. I don't know if the Vikings have the tools to fix that, but they might be okay with the configuration as it is. I think we know what Bradbury is. I think what Bradbury has been for the last two seasons is what Bradbury is going to be. If he gets better at pass pro, great, but I'm not hanging my hat on that. Um, I, I think it's just a matter of, are you okay with all this spectacular stuff in the run game and, and opening up all these these uh, big plays and a lot of like the explosive Dalvin Cook runs? Think of your opinion of Dalvin Cook. You have to credit some of that to Garrett Bradbury. And honestly, if you ask me, if you get reasonable guards on either side of him, I don't know if that changes his play, but I also don't think it would have to because then you'd be set at tackle, you'd be set at guard if you had two reasonable guards on either side of him and you have a center that does a lot of things well but gives up too many pressures. I think you can totally work with that. Uh, so I think it, it should be more of a priority to fix the guards just because they're more broken than center. There's pros and cons to Garrett Bradbury, and you just kind of have to parse that for whatever you think it's worth. Uh, Kyle Slavey says, would you rather invest a second round pick, assuming we get one, in wide receiver three or take multiple stabs at the position day three of the draft? So I don't think my answer to this is going to be different for any position. I think I'm always going to be a take multiple stabs in the later rounds kind of guy, especially in a year like this one, where we know very little about these prospects. 
prospects. Half these guys didn't play their senior year. There's no combine. They're all doing weird pro day stuff, sending in Instagram videos, and it's going to be really difficult to piece together who is good and who isn't. So I would much rather take two shots to see if I can get a guy that the league missed out on because of that lack of information, then take one shot on the on a guy that consensus has kind of said is a little better. I think it's just a numbers game. You know, I'd rather take two 50% shots than one 70% shot. It's just you have a greater likelihood of finding somebody that way. Luke Wills asks, if the Vikings trade down from 14 in the draft, what would the compensation for trading down be? So I'm going to link to you a draft trade chart because it depends on how far, right? If you go down two spaces, you know, you might not get too much. But if you go all the way down to, you know, pick 26, that's going to take a lot to get up to 14. Um, so and it also depends on what's on the board, right? Is somebody trading up for Devonta Smith or is somebody trading up for a quarterback? That's going to be very different to get up from, you know, one of those lower picks, like if, if the Bears need to trade up to get a quarterback or if Washington needs to trade up to get a quarterback, uh, you know, they might have to pay a little bit more because we know it's a quarterback and we can sort of strong arm them and bend them over the table for that. Um, there, there's a lot that changes what it will actually be be, but I am going to link two trade charts. One is the Rich Hill trade chart, which I think is my favorite for actually determining the value of the picks, uh, i.e. the trades you should make, and the Jimmy Johnson chart, which a lot of teams actually use to value picks, which is kind of the going rate for those picks. And what you'll find is that trading down is almost always going to be good because the trade downs you can find on the Jimmy Johnson chart are the ones that are plus value on the Rich Hill chart. Um, So trading down is something that I almost always am in favor of in terms of just like eking extra value out of your draft picks. Chris asks, will returnable punts and kickoffs still be used 10 years from now? Kickoffs, I'm not sure. Kickoffs are boring and nobody likes them. Uh, Even when they were, you could do the wedge and you could get more kickoff returns and all that stuff. It was still kind of, there's a great video from John Boyce about how kickoffs are boring and it totally persuaded me on this. But even the exciting kickoff return touchdowns are only exciting because there are points at the end of them, not because they're particularly interesting or dynamic plays. Punts, I absolutely think in 10 years, punts will be around. I, there's been some interesting stuff with like what the XFL did and the 4th and 15 Greg Schiano deal and, uh, you know, interesting ways to kind of get rid of the punt part of the game. Um, but I think it'll be a long time before the NFL moves on from that. And they're also just not quite as dangerous as the kickoffs were. Joe Cockler asks... Anthony Harris just Instagrammed a story of moving boxes in his apartment, so clearly he is gone, right? This is an old one that's been been in the queue for a little while, but I did want to get around to it. Uh, so here's the thing. There is very rarely anything of value on player social media. The only one time was when Diggs tweeted the one thing that made the Bills do something, but even then it was because the Bills responded to that particular social media post. So the only two things you can get out of player social media are A, if that social media post like gets them in trouble or something or has a tangible impact on their availability or you know have some legitimate like direct on-field impact like Stefan Diggs tweeting something that gets the Bills to go call the Vikings, or if it's funny. Those are the only two <laughs> reasons that you will find anything of value on player social media. Otherwise, it is just something that you should follow for fun. You should not be trolling player social media looking for like information about what's going to happen to the team. Uh, chill. But hey, if you think you have a beat on what's going on in the NFL, like where Russell Wilson's going to end up, perhaps other uh, NFL futures, you can even bet on who you think is going to win the division, although it's pretty early to do that. You can do all that stuff over at betonline.ag. You can bet on all the other sports as well. You can even bet on stuff like reality TV, award shows, whatever you're into. Head on over to betonline.ag. If you enter our promo code, which is locked on, you can also get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up on your first deposits. Go to betonline.ag, mobile phone, computer, whatever works, sign up, and when you enter your first deposit, 
You can use the promo code locked on. You get a 50% welcome bonus. So for every hundred dollars in that first deposit, you get an extra free 50 bucks to play with. So $500 deposit, 750 bucks to gramble with. Make sure you take advantage of that at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So we're just on the other end of February, but February was Black History Month, and Locked On Podcast Network did something really cool, and I want to tell you about it's Locked On Presents more than the game. Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels, Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints, and a whole bunch of other people all collaborated to do this really cool uh, project highlighting the challenges of and successes of black men and women in sports. You can find all of that on the Radio.com app or wherever you find your podcasts under the Locked On Presents podcast feed. So let's continue on with some of these mailbag questions. The next one comes from Bird Fry, who asks, with LB3 being in need, not the most pressing, what about what level of resources will be allocated to fix it? Fourth round pick, maybe a cheaper free agent. Um, I, Somebody, right? I think for me, if it were Troy Dye and Todd Davis in a competition, I think I'd be satisfied with that just because I think I like what I saw from Todd Davis and, you know, Troy Dye. I think everybody in that rookie class, I'm kind of expecting to some degree, you can sort of hope for a, a big jump in the second year because you usually get that and it's probably exacerbated even more because their rookie year was so weird. Um, so I, I think that you can probably play those odds against each other and have a reasonable idea. But if they spent a fourth round pick on, on a third member of that competition, I wouldn't be surprised, nor would I disagree with it. Uh, and yeah, go grab a cheap free agent. But to me, a cheap free agent just should be bringing Todd Davis back. I think he did a good enough job to earn a chance to, you know, try to make the team and try to crack the, the rotation once again. Eli says, generally, if the team can bring in one high level replacement in the secondary in the draft or free agency, would you prioritize safety or corner? This is a tough one. If you go by like the PFF wins above replacement studies, they will tell you cornerback. I think I agree with them because for the Vikings specifically, I think Zimmer can get a lot more out of good cornerback, bad safety than he can out of good safety, bad cornerback. Um, I think when you can just ask a cornerback to be a man-on-man guy and just like, here, you just go head-to-head with Julio Jones and we'll handle the rest of the offense 10-on-10. And Zimmer talks about this all the time too. So I think he prefers it. So if all other things were equal, the quality of the two players was equal, the price was equal, etc., I would go for the corner over the safety. But this is also one of those things where it's an interesting thing to talk about in a vacuum, but that vacuum never exists in real life. Um, And you're never going to really be in a situation where you have two completely identical players at a completely identical price points in one place safety and one place corner and that's it so once you actually add real life names to it the answer really easily becomes whichever player you think is better but of course that's a lame answer so we can talk about it for fun in a vacuum purple yeti says what is the best schematic slash realistic fit for the vikings to draft at wide receiver and or in free agency um i'll leave the actual name dropping here uh actual prospects to the mock draft mondays and to draft season stuff there's a couple people like amari rogers i think are really interesting uh you know go get one of the blue chip weapon guys if they fall to you like devonta smith is there at 14 go for it or kyle pitts uh, of course but i think by and large stylistically what the vikings are looking for I don't think there's really a wrong answer because Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, what can't they do, right? Like what, where can you not line them up? There's not really an answer to that question, right? Now, if you had somebody that was like this really one-dimensional player that's like, okay, he is an outside, but he's Robbie Anderson, right? You line him up on the outside, go deep. You wouldn't go get another guy that can only line up on the outside and go deep. But when you have two players like Thielen and Jefferson that can kind of do whatever you want them to, then go get whoever you can get who is the best at one thing or another and ask Thielen or Jefferson to do the other thing. 
it's like a very luxurious position to be in. You just take whatever weapon works, especially if uh, Doogie's report comes to fruition and they cut Kyle Rudolph. That means they'll be looking for a fifth skill player. And at that point, I don't care if it's a second tight end. I don't care if it's a slot receiver. I don't care if it's an outside receiver. Just get the guy who's the best. And it's really nice to be in the position where you don't have to narrow your search to one type of skill player or the other. Just get the guy who's going to make the best production for you. Jack Payton says, if you were stuck in a fantasy universe of your choice, which fantasy universe would it be? And which three Vikings, current or past, would you take with you? Consider survival and well-being. Okay, so the the universe is easy. It's the Pokemon universe, right? Relatively peaceful. Uh, it's very fun. Kids run around all the time. Like, it, it is such a peaceful world that parents will let their kids go on adventures from town to town and, like, not worry about it at all, right? That seems like pretty much a utopia. So I'm definitely choosing that world. And what world I want to live in? I mean, this is we're going to live like a peaceful, nice, small town life. Uh, but if I want to be successful at it, A, I'm bringing Kirk Cousins because he's a computer. And that is absolutely going to come in handy on this particular journey. I'm bringing uh, Fadio Denebo, who absolutely will engage in all of the nerdy things you need to engage in. And I'm bringing Alan Page, obviously for intellect. And because we will probably need a chaperone who is somewhat responsible as an adult. Uh, Gabrielle Greco asks... Bit random, but what at what age is one supposed to stop feeling like a six-year-old kid when they meet a Viking player or coach in real life? I, I don't think you ever need to. I don't know. Have fun. It, there's nothing. I mean, listen, if you're going to like have a job and you're going to be a journalist, yeah, you kind of have to not be a crazy person about it. There are some, I guess, unwritten rules you got to follow if you're going to actually be in the press conferences and do that. Um, you, you Then you have to sort of have some decorum. But listen, if you're just going to be a fan and you get to go like shake the hand of somebody in an autograph line and that makes you feel really happy... Feel happy. Let yourself feel happy. Come on, it's okay. Uh, Alex Kosi says, draft, sign, or cut? Uh, like F, Mary kill, but, you know, wholesome. <laughs> An average wide receiver three, a fine guard, or a decent three technique? Uh, so for me, I am drafting a decent three technique. I think that has the most uh, future potential, and it's also the one I kind of want to marry myself to the most versus a guard or a wide receiver three. I'm going to sign a guard, uh, mostly because drafting a guard is a disaster, uh, and I guess that means I'm going to cut the wide receiver three, hoping that I can find a better one somewhere deeper on the roster. It's not like it's mattered for the last few years of Vikings wide receiver threes any anyways. They've all been similarly unrosterable, so we can cut one. But you might want to be a a little bit choosier when it comes to your car. If you are one of those DIY people, God, that one felt good. If you are one of those DIY people that loves to, you know, change your own oil or, or take care of your own car instead of bringing it into a mechanic, maybe watch a YouTube video or something, and you're looking for a place to get your supplies, head on over to rockauto.com. Instead of going to one of those brick and mortar auto joints, they don't set different prices for their retail customers and their wholesale buyers. That means when you walk into an auto shop, you're getting a different price than a mechanic that goes around back and buys something in bulk. Rock Auto doesn't do this. Whatever you buy, you are getting their legit price for it, and usually that means that you save a buck. So head on over to rockauto.com, enter your make, your year, and your model. They have a huge catalog that'll take you exactly to the kind of product you need to make sure it's compatible with your car. That's a lot of research that they'll do all that stuff for you, and whenever you check out, make sure you let them know in the How You Heard About Us section that Locked On sent you, because if you don't, I'm going to have to retreat into the woods, living as a hermit, competing for foliage with bobcats. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. 
The NFL season may be over, but the work is just beginning. Join Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast every Tuesday as they continue with their Team Takeover Tuesday offseason series. Each week, they pick a new team, take a deep dive into potential front office and head coach signings, roster review, free agent strategies, and they go through a team-centric mock draft. That's every Tuesday over at the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Got time for a few more questions here. This next one comes from Joe Talent, who says, does Pierce have to show up this year contractually, or could he and others sit out again as the virus isn't gone? I don't know if you can completely trust him to return. Should probably draft that position just in case. Um, I, I think always, you know, grab a, a, a beefy defensive tackle is never going to be that bad of a thing because you'll always get some value out of that position because those guys are big and they get tired and having some extra rotation, you'll always be able to get that value, even in the case of redundancy. So like, sure, but I don't think that has a lot to do with whether or not he'll be there in 2021. Um, he's already said if he gets the vaccine, he's playing. Um, I would assume that if he doesn't get the vaccine, it's a harder decision. He is allowed to opt out again and told the contract again and do that whole thing again. We might see players do that for, you know, two years in a row, obviously. Then you have to know, especially a guy that's had like conditioning concerns in Baltimore, you know, is he going to come back and, and how much can you uh, can you rely on that? But I guess it comes down to like how certain are you that somebody like Michael Pierce will be able to get a COVID-19 vaccine by the time training camp in the season and stuff starts, because by that time, then yeah, he'll be uh, he'll be good to go. Ziggy's BFF asks, oh my goodness, this is a callback to uh, a couple of Twitter Tuesdays ago. Okay, so we can't sign multiple contracts. That's a little shady. He had previously pitched to sign someone for $5 million and then pay them more under the table, obviously. That's cheating. Uh, but then he said, I'm a billionaire. I have friends everywhere, one specifically that works for Gatorade. The Vikings signed player A to five-year, $5 million deal. My friend at Gatorade needs a high-caliber player for sponsorships. We link the Gatorade deal for five years. One, We ink the Gatorade deal for five years, $100 million, and the player is happy in Minnesota now. Tell me why that's illegal. Because that's collusion. That's absolutely collusion. Uh, you're colluding with an agent, and you are just... That's just not like a straight up contract negotiation. It also uh, probably breaks some NFLPA rules because of how cheap that contract is. But it's probably a little easier to get away with. But yeah, that's absolutely like palpably unfair collusion. And if you got caught, you'd probably get fine draft picks. Nick B asks, I, I come up with your next idea. Let's see. Let's see how crazy you can get. Uh, Nick B asks, I know Kirk is going to be our quarterback week one. I'm cool with that. But imagine a hypothetical parallel universe in which Kirk is traded to the Panthers in exchange for some picks and Teddy probably Zimmer's dream. How do you think Teddy would perform in the current offensive scheme? Do you think there'd be a drop off in production? Um, I, This is not the scheme for him at all. So yes. I also, I mean, he just hasn't played very well in uh, in Carolina this last year, right? I think he played pretty well in New Orleans, but Carolina, he just wasn't particularly spectacular, just didn't generate a lot of explosiveness, and it's not like you could make a scheme or a weapons excuse for him, right? Because the scheme and weapons are both pretty electric over there. So yeah, Teddy just hasn't had, I, I don't think that would make the Vikings better at this particular juncture, but it was also like is exacerbated because the bootleg deep passing thing, like that's not Teddy's game. Give him quick reads and west coast put him in an andy reed type system or like a weird college system should be kind of the thing um but teddy you know post injury coming back it seems like we kind of understand what teddy is now um and i think you'd be more so doing that for for pick number eight than you would for uh teddy bridgewater 
John says, so you have to stay in quarantine for two weeks with no symptoms, of course, with one former or active Vikings player. Who would you pick? Um, so I've said Afadio Denebo for a lot of these. I feel like we could nerd out and have a good time. But you know what? Jared Allen. Jared Allen would be such a good time to hang out with. And, uh, you know, listening to Jeremiah Searles when he's gone on uh, with Matthew Collar sometimes, he also seems like a pretty good time to just like chill with. Uh, Max Falkenstein asks, with multiple third and fourth rounders this year, do you see us trading back up into the second round or staying put with those selections? And I, I don't know the answer to this yet. Here's the thing. I think a lot of people are really attached to the wonderful symmetry of having a first, a second, a third, and a fourth. And if you don't have one, you have to go get it. Um, but right now, their mid-round capital is worth like some number of second round picks, right? So if you want to get up into the second round, the reason you would do that is for a specific player who has fallen very far. Let's say something crazy happens and Kyle Pitts falls to the second round. Yes, let's go up and get him in that weird scenario. And it won't be Kyle Pitts, but it'll somebody will. Somebody will be in the in the second round that we absolutely thought was going to be gone in the first round. And you can go up and get somebody like that and make that trade up. And if you can do that at a reasonable price, you can generate value that way. But I don't think we should sees it as something the Vikings have to do because the difference between a second and a third round pick is not all that much if you think of you know pick 63 and pick 65 they're not that different the difference between picks is more linear than that I guess rather than like in buckets of these are the first round picks these are the second round picks except for the fifth year option thing obviously that has some value but otherwise bucketing it into rounds is probably not the way to think about this um but should they trade up because there's this huge gulf between one pick and the next? Maybe, or maybe they trade down and get something else for that or something like that. Um, I do think they have kind of an awkward glut in the same area, but if they think that area of the draft has a lot of value in it, if they think the draft is like exactly that deep, maybe they're okay with this. There's usually, the, the Vikings usually come up with a, a space where they're like, okay, at the you know halfway through the second round, we think there's going to be kind of a talent drop-off. So we want to pick as many times before that as possible. And then after that, we're not as worried about it. And it depends on where all their picks are in relation to where they think that talent cliff is. That'll be kind of what informs whether or not they make a huge effort to trade up. Anonymous asks, do you think that one day people will look back at the NFL the same way we look back at gladiatorial contests? In a sense, these all these stadiums are just modern day coliseums. Uh, yes, I do think like in the distant, distant future, people will look at the brutality of football and the concussions and the way that it breaks people's bodies and see it as this like kind of barbaric, uh, outdated thing. I think we're a long ways away from that moment. And I don't think any of us are going to live to see it, though. I think that's a that's a long ways away. Uh, Brandon Miller says, I have no idea if Culpepper is better or worse than Cousins. Every time I look at stats side by side, I'm convinced there's no definitive, definite answer. What I do know is that both likely needed a team with no holes to win a Super Bowl. Um, I, yeah, I don't know about that last part. I think that's there's been lots of better quarterbacks on better teams that haven't won a Super Bowl, and there's been worse quarterbacks on worse teams that have. Um, I think there's just too much luck in it for us to really make that kind of uh, determination. But I will say... I think I would take Culpepper in his peak over Cousins, but I would take Cousins' floor over Culpepper's. I, that's probably a cop-out answer. Um, there was a lot of discourse about this. Somebody, I think PA was like, hey, remember how cool Culpepper's celebration was? And suddenly that turned into a, uh, a Twitter-wide conversation about whether or not Cousins was better than Culpepper. But you're also era-adjusting. Things were a lot different in 2003. The CBA was different. Schemes were different. Um, it's it's difficult to compare the two, and I don't know if it's particularly fruitful other than just 
for the fun of it. So I guess just for the fun of it, I'll give you a lame answer. I guess I'll take the best Culpepper season and the worst Cousins season. I think that is what generates the best quarterback. Uh, final one here comes from Waka Waka, who says, what is your overall opinion of Kirk? I've heard your opinion on the extension last year, but was wondering what you think of him as a quarterback and where you'd rank him. So contract stuff aside, married him aside, I think my, my problem with that contract is much more about the process than it is about Kirk Cousins, the player himself. So just let's take all of that out and in a vacuum, Kirk Cousins is the player himself. If I had to rank him, I'll just throw out a random number at 11th, right? Somewhere in there, 10th, 11th, 12th, something like that. There's always going to be two or three quarterbacks that are having the year of their life that'll be a little better than Cousins, and then they'll fall off and somebody else will replace them. There's going to be always, you know, the the Aaron Rodgers and the Patrick Mahomeses that are just obviously better than Cousins. And I think after all of that, he's probably somewhere 11th. Maybe I'd put him even 8th or 9th if I wanted to be optimistic about it. But I think that's probably reductive. Here's what I'll say about Kirk Cousins. The most important thing about Kirk Cousins that I think I've learned this year that has, I think, defined a lot of his time here in Minnesota is he's never the guy he was last week. Kirk Cousins is never the guy that you saw last week. And sometimes that's a good thing. If he put up a total clunker last week, and I think he's a little bit too prone to those clunkers to put together an MVP caliber 16 or 17 game season. But if he puts up one of those clunkers, you can go into next week knowing, okay, he's not going to do that again. Or he's got at least a decent enough chance to not do that again. Maybe he'll do two in a row, but that's, I feel like, kind of rare. Traits-wise, he's got unbelievable accuracy. He's got a good arm. Um, It's not a rocket like Matt Stafford's. It doesn't need to be. He's accurate enough to put the ball where it's supposed to be and to get it there when it's supposed to be. Um, And he's a a computer. He's a teleprompter. I say that all the time in that he will execute what you tell him to execute without deviation. And sometimes deviation is a good thing, but he doesn't freelance at all. He just does what you ask him to do. And again, sometimes I want him to exit the progression and see the whole field, but he doesn't. I think he's got uh, tunnel vision that he's really good at at adjusting from one guy to the next. So it doesn't look too tunnel-y as tunnel vision, but it still is a little bit of tunnel vision. He doesn't just like see that there's a guy streaking wide open downfield because that guy was on the backside and wasn't part of his read. And I think that separates him from a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who is always going to find that guy. Ultimately, I think all those problems are totally surmountable. And I I think in terms of can he win a Super Bowl, I think most guys can't win a Super Bowl until they do. And then you say, yeah, he can win a Super Bowl. But outside of a few uh, spectacular people like Deshaun Watson, if you haven't won a Super Bowl, most people will look at you like you can't win a Super Bowl. And really, the last decade has been the Patriots and first time Super Bowl winners. So I, I think if you haven't won a Super Bowl, you just haven't yet. So I think, sure, you could get lucky enough and try to get there. He just has to put together a season where he doesn't throw two or three games in the toilet just by completely brain farting all over the field. We haven't seen that yet in his career, and maybe we will, but I don't know. I do think that there are a lot of opportunities the Vikings have had to upgrade on him that they've been kind of forced to decline because of how married they are to him and how kind of locked into that contract they are. Um, And that's the problem that I have. But it's more of a process problem than it is a problem with Kirk Cousins specifically. It's more that elite opportunities have come across, and you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you have to decline them. So we are going to continue on with uh, some free agent reviews views uh later in the week we'll talk about the wide receivers the safeties we talked about the guards in a previous episode we'll talk about um like the corners the defensive line and stuff like that we'll make sure we get you all set up for free agency which is coming up in mid-march we are on the precipice of it and then things are going to get really fun in the meantime you can find me on twitter at luke braun nfl shows on twitter at locked on vikings and i will see you all tomorrow and as always skull